Welcome to Grow PDX here on X-Ray FM. Grow PDX is a live call-in radio show and podcast focused on gardening, farming, community, food systems, and more. You know, plants for people, pollinators, and the planet. And now we turn to the host of Grow PDX, Weston Miller of Oregon State University. Good afternoon and welcome to Grow PDX. I'm your host, Weston Miller of OSU with Diana Suarez of X-Ray FM. Grow PDX comes at you live each Wednesday here on X-Ray FM and via Facebook Live at The Oregonian. If you have questions for us about horticulture and specifically fruit-bearing plants this half hour, we'd love to hear from you. You can post your questions on the Facebook feed or you can text us at, Diana, what's that number? Uh, uh, 503-220-KXRY. All right. (laughs) Today on the show, we're excited to welcome Phil Goy of One Green World. Thanks for coming, Phil. Thank you. And we're going to get to know shortly, but first, a little gardening humor. Phil, how do bees travel to trees? They like to take the buzz. They take the buzz. Uh, you got you it. heard that nice. one before. You've been around the block. <laughs> and Diana, <laughs> what do you call two young married spiders? A nightmare. Oh, <laughs> newlywebs. Ah, <laughs> that's silly. <laughs> and one it. more for you. How do you compare apples and oranges? You don't. They're different. They are different by their nutritional value. (laughs) 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 All right. That's our gardening humor. We start the show that way. And now we are going to celebrate yarrow, Achillea millifolium, and its cultivars are the plant of the week. Got some samples here. I've got straight uh, wild yarrow. So this is a plant that grows widely all over the northern hemisphere. Yeah. um, In the mountains and in valleys and so on. Uh, It in itself in garden scenarios is a great plant. It can be grown in two ways. One is a perennial landscape plant where right now it's got some nice tall flower stalks. Yeah. Also, um, it grows really nicely in um, in lawns as well. So in eco lawns, Mm -hmm. um, really durable, can take a lot of wear, um, mixes really nicely with lots of other plants. And then there are cultivars. So these are bread varieties of yarrows. We've got uh, the yellow here and the salmon colored ones. Um, I'm a big fan of including all of these. And then right about now, the bouquet of yellow, white, and pink is really awful, ni- awfully nice. Yeah. Do they do they like pincher bugs? It looks like they brought a It looks a like we brought in a pincher bug. I know friend. I see that. Hopefully it won't eat the studio here. <laughs> Don't pinch me, Some please. of the things I like about yarrow, it's got leathery foliage. It's super durable. It's very, very easy to grow. It's drought hardy. It's perennial. And the natives are going to be particularly attractive to all sorts of pollinators and natural enemies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Phil, you have anything yeah. else to add about yarrow? Certainly. It's one of my favorite plants, um, actually. And we use it in our guild planting. So it, it belongs with the fruit trees and around the roots, um, attracting pollinators and um, also covering up the soil um, so there's not erosion, things like that. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I also, Wesson. Yeah. Well, now I very when I first started on this show, you gave me a yarrow That's plant. That's true. Yeah, and uh, I planted it in the ground, and now it has some wonderful white flowers. I thought it was diseased for a little while because when it the flowers come up, it kind of looks like a spit cotton ball, and yeah. I was like, oh no, is that supposed to happen? But apparently, it is, and now yeah. it has white flowers, and it's great. There you go. 
And uh, this is Grow PDX Radio Show and Podcast. I'm your host, Weston Miller of OSU with Diana Suarez. We're coming at you from X-Ray FM and also via Facebook Live. Yeah. Diana, do we have some sh- folks joining us today? Um, we do have a couple of friends joining us today. Thanks so much to um, all of our friends, and we'll say hi to you later. Thanks so much for tuning in. Let us know if you have any questions. Okay. Great. And now Phil Goy of One Green World. Um <laughs> Tell us about your operation. About One Green World. Yeah. Okay, great. Um, One Green World Nursery is in Portland, Oregon now. Uh, we've been there for two years as a retail garden center. Um, the, f- the farm and the business has uh, been around since 1994. The founder, Jim Gilbert, um, was, uh, you know, he was ready to sort of semi-retire, I think. Mm-hmm. And so my family and I, my brother and my dad bought the business from Jim and took over the retail and internet side of things. Okay. Um, and then we've just tried to um, expand our offerings as much as possible and, and dive into some of the um, unique and rare plants that uh, also are edible, okay. um, medicinal, things like that. So the the overall theme then is unique, edible and medicinal delicious. and delicious type <laughs> plants. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, describe your retail store. Sure. We are in Southeast. Um, some people say deep Southeast. So it's actually out to Foster Road to 134th. We're just south one block off of Foster. And uh, we have an acre total there. We've been sort of uh, changing it and modifying everything as, we, as we've uh, been there for about two years now. So we do have a, a heated greenhouse, uh, some other greenhouses too that are unheated. Um, that's where we do all of our shipping because we mm-hmm. ship to all 50 states. Okay, wow. Yeah, that's the bulk of the business is the internet business. Mm-hmm. And so um, we, we, you know, we we've do the catalog as well. So that's uh, uh, traditionally they use the mail order catalogs. So we yeah. still have a lot of those people as well. Okay, so yeah. you do mail order catalogs and go ahead, Diana. Yeah, what distinguishes your product line of plants from other nurseries? And I'd love to know more about mailing catalogs because that's just something that fascinates me as a person of the internet age and how people still <laughs> do that. <but> yeah, <laughs> yeah, f- see, me too. And and <laughs> I, I, um, I still some people don't have phones or emails yeah. and we still get handwritten forms uh-huh. from catalogs that are from even, uh, I think the latest, the oldest one was a 2011. Oh man. So right. there are still people that have been long-term customers of One Green World, uh-huh. have old catalogs. Um, we tried to uh, slow down the the printing because we wanted to be conscious about how many paper uh, you know how much usage Uh resources Uh that we're using so we did a you know you request a catalog and we send it out Uh and um, so we still sent out 20,000 catalogs Um, historically they sent out 80,000 oh man so that's a big part of what One Green World um, you know building up the business that's what did it sure so, okay and uh, what distinguishes us is that we um, sell locally adapted for the northwest plants mm-hmm. um, and and we've expanded now into like the zone nines and some of the tropical plants too that you can grow mm-hmm. as house plants or in your greenhouse okay uh, that's that's something we do as well cool. but the product line is unique in the in the fact that it's all edible plants huh. um Fruit trees, berry bushes, fruiting vines, and shrubs. Got it. All right. Speaking of edible plants and tropical, you brought a sample of a variegated citrus here. I did. Why don't you bring I, on I, that I on did. out? I brought, uh, 
one of my favorites actually because it's just so striking and beautiful this yeah. is the variegated pink lemon hmm. um i did pull a lemon off of one of the other things we had up. okay so the fruit itself is variegated as well and variegated yes. for those folks who don't know means that the the leaves have multiple colors there's a yeah. green and there's a white going here and then oh my gosh and it's actually cracked pink open inside. A, so i don't know if anybody can see that us. anywhere but that is a pink lemon and and taste wise I'd they say are a little sweeter actually Definitely not, is so. kind of almost as sweet as a Meyer type lemon. Yeah, yeah. It smells that's ha- awesome. It smells kind of pink. Like yeah, pink so and when it when they get full, I mean, this one's pretty close to ripe. It was a, the ripest one I could find. Yeah, but they really get darker pink. It's yeah, pretty neat. Cool. Now, citrus is not known to prosper here in the Northwest. Provide some guidance for people who want to grow it here. Well, I I would challenge that idea actually. Um, this particular citrus wouldn't grow well outside, but we do have several varieties that are growing outside. Uh, established plants. Established. They so are wh- hardy citrus. Which varieties survived this last winter, which which got down to right. uh, ten degrees or right. so? Yuzu. yuzu. The yuzu, okay. the mm-hmm. hybrid yuzu, is the is the best one. Uh, the Sadachi yuzu as well. Okay. And um, there's actually some new mandarins from Texas called Frost. Frost. And okay. it's it's good down to ten degrees. To ten degrees. And so we there's are patented varieties, but we're trying to get. Uh, some some cuttings of those and cool. Those well, I am lamenting because <laughs> I I neglected to bring my potted Meyer lemons in. Yeah, right at the the critical yeah. time this last year, I was keeping them out, hoping that just a little bit of cold would mm-hmm. kill the scale insects and such. Yes, mm-hmm. but I think I forgot about them, and then it got <laughs> down into the twenties and they yeah. or into the teens rather, and they just right. didn't make that. It. Will oh, do them. Twenty seven yeah. is their threshold. Yeah. Twenty seven is I the threshold. Just, I was just in California, and my you know. Uh, is where I'm from and my family all my family has all these wonderful lemon trees and you know lemons the size of my face and it's just great and yeah. I'm really excited to that you're bringing citrus fruits to the northwest yeah and yeah. I moved from Hawaii about oh. uh, two years to, yeah, to so take over you know. one group yeah. well, so I miss a lot of these tropical places yeah. feels like home when I'm in the greenhouse yeah, yeah. my stepmom she has plumerias and mm-hmm. mangoes she's growing mangoes in Southern California it's great yeah <laughs> Phil, edible landscaping and permaculture approach to gardening are big these days. What do you think is driving this consumer interest? I think it's probably uh, food security or food resilience. You know, the the system. I mean, you got to look at it from a systems approach, and I think that's what permaculture is uh, attempting to do, and and does it fairly well. I think it's an interpretation of of someone's ideas. You mm-hmm. know, and um, so you can run with it, and you can kind of modify it. Uh, but you know, we we support it, and we. You know, we we use it, and we uh, this, our designers actually will implement permaculture designs for people. Cool. Tell That's us really about cool. the design component of your business. Yeah, so we have uh, Sam, who's not here today. I, I wanted him, but he's out working, so oh, <laughs> he's actually go. doing an install today in cool. Milwaukee. Is it citrus fruit installs? Just kidding. No, <laughs> no. Uh, but we do have greenhouses that we build for people, yeah. and that oh, right that, on. Is that what there's a yeah. yeah Right on. The farmer associate in Corvallis uh, has two to three hundred pounds of Meyer lemons every year. Oh my gosh! Yeah, right on. It's just a heated greenhouse. That, yeah, you know, they heat it to fifty degrees. <laughs> yeah, and, and stuff it, just so. grows in there because yes, that's indeed. what it's for. They have avocados and yeah. mangoes and papayas and you know, yeah, 12 and to, or 15, something like totally. that, Texas citrus. Yeah, just to jump back a little bit to Wesson's question about yes. driving consumer interests, I, I I, think it also has to do with education. I've noticed in the past maybe 10 years or so, people are just really becoming more aware of where food comes from and the fact that, you know, yeah. no, Ronald Reagan, I'm sorry, but a packet of ketchup does not constitute a f- one serving of fruit to throw that one out there. But yeah, I just think it's really fascinating that people are just more interested and more uh 
engaged in food and knowing about where food comes from. And thank mm-hmm. you so much for the work that you're doing. To yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Uh, food systems are big these days and people want to know where their food comes from and they want to also be involved in growing it and yeah. growing your own fruit trays is certainly one way to do it. And Phil, I'm curious, how did you first get involved in the field of edible plants? What's the backstory here? I uh, was a chef in New York City. Ah, mm-hmm. Coming up from the food side then. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I... I from uh, high school on, I cooked in restaurants, and then I went to cooking school out of college and uh, went to school in New York City, and then I worked as a chef for uh, about two years and did catering and and wanted to get out into the farm fields where the fresh air was. And, that's how I um, yeah. So that's why I transitioned, and I mm-hmm. was a woofer. I don't know if you've heard yeah. of oh, Willing I Workers on Organic Farms. I did that for that two years, yeah. traveled around the world, awesome. uh, New Zealand and Italy. Yeah. Were the okay. mainstays, cool. but I did hit dozens of other countries actually, and a lot of time in California, uh-huh. a lot uh-huh. of time in Oregon. Yeah, uh, worked for a big farm called Whistling Duck down in Southern Oregon, mm-hmm. Whistling Duck Farm. Okay, and um, yeah, just kind of picked up the the nitty gritty, and yeah. um, and I grew up on a farm, so I, as a child, I I had a lot of experience in the Midwest. I was from from St. Louis, and so yeah, yeah. cool, yeah. awesome. This is Grow PDX radio show and podcast. We're chatting with Phil Goy about One Green World Nursery. And Phil, I've taken a look at your catalog online, mind you, not not the paper version recently. <laughs> and there are so, so many choices. What are some of the easiest edible crops to grow? Oh, that's a good question. Um, easiest crops to grow. You know, I think... Let's talk about perennials, not not. Yeah, vegetables. so I'm thinking of perennials, and I'm thinking that probably for most people, you know, berries uh, are going to be something. Just that category of berries, um, I would probably focus on gumi berries. Uh, not too many people know about them, but they're nitrogen-fixing. Yeah. They kind of take off on their own, you know, so that that's something you can put any pretty much anywhere um, in your garden, and they're going to take off. They and, they do yeah. grow really robustly. Yes. And mm. what I've struggled with goumi is figuring out how to use them. Right. Yeah. yeah what do they taste like? <laughs> they would be really good um, preserved in brandy or whiskey or something you like think that. So? Oh, okay. absolutely. I haven't done that, but uh, I eat them fresh. They, eat they them need fresh, to right? be soft, and you have to keep the birds off them. Okay. So you have to wait that extra time for them to get soft and fully ripe. Usually the birds hit them by that time. So yeah. <laughs> if you're tasting them uh, uh, not fully ripe, then they're going to be astringent. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I'd also probably just throw a pretty easy crop for people to grow strawberries into the mix. Yes. Um, strawberries, it's a little bit late to be planting them now, but help Agreed. our audience think about next year if they really want strawberries. How would they go about growing them? Uh, we we just offer bare roots. Uh, that's the, the bare root ones that are crowns, basically. And you plant those out. Um, early as you can, actually. Uh, February, March. Yeah, so. as early as you can. Oh, yeah. The earlier, the better. And um, you, you can get strawberries on the, in the first year. In the first year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, with strawberries, overall, I'd recommend that people think about weed control up front. So if you're going to mm-hmm. grow strawberries next year, choose your bed now and try to deal with any of the perennial weeds that would be growing there because they don't great do idea. well with perennials. Mm-hmm. And then also uh, build soil organic matter and fertility because strawberries, like vegetables, really like some pretty nice soil. Correct. Growing. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. All good points. Phil, fruiting season must be a happy time for you with an acre of fruit trees and whatnot, <laughs> I'd imagine. What are some of your favorites that are in season right now? Right now is definitely currants are on. The yeah. currants, the <clears throat> jostaberries, and... Currently. Um, 
Yeah, and uh, currants like are currently gone. Gooseberries too, <laughs> gooseberries the thorny, the thorny version. Yeah, um, so we, these are all ripe. Enjoy those. Yeah, of course, raspberries are going off. Uh-huh. I, I've noticed some uh, ripening black raspberries, which are one of my favorites. Black cap raspberries, black caps. Yeah, cool. Yeah. yeah. And then what's what are some of the fruits you're looking forward to harvesting as the season comes along? Always pawpaws. I, tell tell people about pawpaws. I bet yeah. not many people are familiar with yeah, them. It's incredible. It's, it's a North American native. Uh, it grows in the understories uh, throughout the Midwest and uh, all the way a little south, a little north, up in the Michigan and uh, east coast as well. And uh, the, this is a wild tree that's been cultivated now and selected. And there's been some breeding work by a few uh, pioneers out there. But yeah, it's basically a tropical uh, holder from the last ice age. It, it literally evolved somehow to stay here, and it's related to cherimoyas, atamoyas, and uh, those are kind of custard apples. Varieties yeah, those of are fruits. those are yes, exactly. Um, Anonas is the and then they yeah. they taste like like custard. Like it's a combination custard. of banana, pineapple. pineapple. Um, yeah, it's 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 a very fragrant fruit, so you're getting a lot of the smell. When, when you get that taste. But the smooth texture, the sweetness, um, and the tropical flavors are really what does it for me. I have like five pawpaws on my plot um, in Aurora, and I'm particularly Great. looking forward to them coming along. They're only two years old, so haven't had any fruit yet, but they're all looking like they're, they're yeah. kicking into gear. Yeah, you have to be patient with that one, and, and five is a good number. The more you have, the better pollination you get and better fruit set. Mm-hmm. So multiple yeah. to get three, pollination. Three is kind of my, I mean, the two will do it, but three, five, that's the best. And what size tree do they, they make? They're a... a Small to moderate-sized tree, okay, yeah, so. 25 feet at the most. Okay. And they, they can be uh, left to, to just go straight up almost, so they, they don't spread out very wide, actually. You've yeah. already talked about goimi, and you've already talked about jostaberry. Are there any other unusual fruiting shrubs that you'd like to shout out? Oh, sure. Um, what about jujubes? People jujubes. don't know about how easy those are to grow. Yeah, it's a good point. So those are yeah. Chinese dates. Correct. And oh. they, they're they like little hard, but also crunchy and, yeah. and juicy at the same time. Yeah. You mean they're not those little things you buy at the movie theaters in a yellow box? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just yeah, same name. <laughs> those are jujubes. Same concept. Yeah. yeah. Small, harder outer shell. I'm mm-hmm. just taking this way too far. Anyway, jujubes. Yeah, jujubes because, you know, you can really grow them uh, anywhere in the, the higher desert to uh, okay. the valley and um, they are adapted to extreme temperatures, so uh-huh. hot or cold. And yeah. as I recall, you can grow just one of them, is that correct? Or you need There's partial self-fertility. Partial, yeah, if okay. you put Lee and Lang together, you ha- you're set. That's a really good combo together, those two. Uh-huh. All right, and then you brought another sample in. Why don't you go ahead and pull out pineapple guava. Another one of my favorites. It's definitely one of my favorites as well. And pineapple guava is a really pretty fabulous evergreen shrub. Correct. And it's very hardy to our area. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a little bit of dieback on them from the winter, but not so much. And then fruit-wise... They're not always going to do good here necessarily because they fruit really late. I do see but, a little um, bit of a little There's a flower bud. There's yeah. a flower bud. Yeah, yeah. so the customers always buy the ones with all the flowers. So I was able to find one left with, with <laughs> yeah. the flower to demonstrate. That'll open up. You can eat the sepals around the, uh, huh. the Yeah, they're really big, really beautiful flowers. Tasty. Yep, yep. And the sepals are, are edible. And mm-hmm. then the fruit itself... Are, I almost brought some. I have ah, some freeze dried from freeze New Zealand. Dried. Oh, cool! Um, they're really unique flavored. Um, they're not really a guava, are they? I mean, they're, they're just kind of their own. They're from Brazil. They're from Brazil. Mm-hmm. Fio, fi, how do you pronounce the genus? Fijoa. Fijoa. Really, one of the best fruits around. They're they're late in the season. 
Um, they have thick skin, but you can cut them open and peel them back. Whoa! Oh, and yeah. get just really fabulous um, ambrosia type flavor on yeah. pineapple guava. That's mm-hmm. right. And for those, if you have like a nice south facing wall, yep. would probably be probably a good place to put one. Or if you have a greenhouse. Uh, mm-hmm. Be another good place yes. to put a large container with yes. a pineapple guava. Yes, south walls and, and um, west walls are very good places for those. Okay. Cool. Anything else about pineapple guava? Uh, let's see. You know, New Zealand has uh, an, an enormous amount of uh, diversity now, and I think we need to to really look at that and try to bring in some. Do so they have additional more. cultivars? Yes, extremely cold hardy ones, large mm-hmm. fruited ones, early ones, and mm-hmm. so we're working to try to get. So we went down there this winter to right. collect, and um, we weren't successful at bringing the the, the budwood back or anything. Okay. It took so mm-hmm. right. we'll try again, and we're we're always working at that. So. Cool. Doing our collections. Well, I'm looking forward to getting early pineapple guavas, I think would be yes. something that would be exciting yes. for the homeowner, but also I would say probably for commercial agriculture, uh, an unusual fruit that's really yes. good that no one else would be growing in right. our region. We can do it here, and we and there has been some work from the seedlings that yeah. Jim started. There's so very the early varieties, yeah. and, and I know Jim will be releasing some new ones soon, How too. do you think pollinators, pollinators would feel about that? Are pollinators generally excited to find a new variety, or do they just stick to their what they're used to? Or That's a good question. It's yeah. going to depend on the, sure. the type of pollinator, but overall there are like 500 different pollinators in mm-hmm. Oregon. Uh-huh. Some of them are specialists, but yeah. a lot of them are also generalists, and they're going to yeah. be pretty excited about any source of yeah. pollen. Okay. And w- when New or old. It's pollen that they're after, so they're yeah. collecting pollen yeah. as a food source. Sure. What we encourage folks to think about if they're trying to attract pollinators is to have a diversity of plants that flower at different times of year and try to have flowering plants going from um, late winter all the way through Thanksgiving, basically, yeah. Yeah. Um, providing a, a range of different food sources and uh-huh. so on. Okay. Yes. This is Grow PDX radio show and podcast. I'm your host, Weston Miller of OSU with Diana Suarez of Extra FM. We are here with Phil Goy talking about One Green World Nursery. It's based in southeast Portland. Phil, what about growing tea, the camellia here in Oregon? Oh, that's a good plant to grow here. Um, I've actually had experience about a decade worth of growing tea, Mm -hmm. uh, both in Oregon and in Hawaii. So there's many different strains, uh, cultivars, and you have some uh, cold hardy ones that are Camellia sinensis that you can grow here and make tea out of it. And I've done it. You've done it. And we have a how to do it in our catalog, too, and on, mm-hmm. online. You can read about it. And uh, all the types of tea come from one type of plant. Yeah. You, the, the, you know, from white tea all the way to, to black tea and, and pu'er and... Um, so? It's all coming from the same plant, yes. Huh, okay. It's the so processing. It's the processing okay. that differs. Uh-huh. What plant is that? Did I miss that? It's was... Camellia sinensis. <laughs> you did say that. <laughs> no. Okay, cool. I said it fast. But yeah, yeah, okay. Camellia look... sinensis makes all the teas. Correct. Got it. Correct, okay. yeah. Mm-hmm. And we have like ornamental teas here, and you'll sure. see the big tea flowers. That's the relative of, of the same plant that we're okay. talking about. Okay, uh-huh. got it, got it. And are there any edible plants that you know of that are not currently grown commercially here that you think might warrant uh, an enterprise, someone who wants to experiment with something new? I'd have to say olives. Mm, uh, I know of, you probably yeah. know that there are some yeah, pioneers the, out there uh, over a decade of olive growing in the wine region here. Yeah, and the hardy varieties are... Frontoyo, Frontoyo. Is, the, is the leader right now. Okay. Um, Arbequina. Arbequina. Machino. 
what are those olives like? Are they green? Are they black? Or yeah. there's a range. Mm -hmm. um, sure. That they you know they do change color. Uh -huh. um, you know the black ones are when they're fully ripe. So Arbequina oh. is usually picked when it's green for the oil. Okay. Um, for curing olives, you know, there's uh -huh. there's so many types. Sure. And um, there are probably about a dozen types that will grow here and survive without any problem. Yeah. More I, than that, actually. Yeah. But. I will say also as a florist, um, olive branches are, have wonderful foliage. Uh -huh. And, um, yeah, we use a lot of olive branches. Mm -hmm. And it's also kind of a sentimental, you know, extending the olive branches, yeah, the how piece. I like to think yeah. of it. And I make wonderful olive wreaths and swags to hang around my house. And I just enjoy them there you have a darker leaf on the top and kind of a lighter on the bottom and they're just really they've beautiful. got the cool yeah. silver gray mediterranean foliage yeah yeah now phil uh what would be a good geographic location for olive probably not the valley bottoms but more on the hills around the outside where there's good it cold seems air drainage like the, yes the coast range the wine growing regions seem to be conducive uh, that's where that's where like red ridge farm is and, and their pioneers mm -hmm. uh, oregon olive farm is what they're called too so mm. Now, I don't want to neglect regular old fruit trees that folks are probably familiar with. Uh, with apple trees, we generally recommend folks grow scab-resistant varieties. Right. Um, what are some of your favorite apple varieties yeah, when that you, are scab-resistant? Yeah, I, 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 there's quite a few, and I would say the ones that have that uh, that name like Liberty freedom yeah uh, those, <laughs> john free yeah th yes anything that talks Enterprise. about exactly that that uh those are the ones that you want to grow and apples can be a challenge I, I think people want apple trees but the the truth is that's something actually harder to grow they're uh, really hard i would say they're really hard to grow yeah. in our region correct um if people don't choose the scab resistant varieties then they're gonna have a hard row to hoe so right. to speak right um sadly the varieties that people get in stores of apples like um honeycrisp like honeycrisp and like fuji and and so on those are not scab resistant generally and no. we don't recommend growing those if you go to a nursery and you want to buy an apple tree specifically ask for scab resistant varieties we already talked about some of those. And then additionally with apples, there's going to be codling moth and there's going to be apple maggot as additional challenges. Um, they, You certainly can work your way around it by using footies, uh, little nylon sacks yep. to, to cover up your apples, yep. to serve as a barrier to keep the codling moth from Surround getting in there. Good. Surround uh, the clay. Individual apple? Yeah, you wrap individual apples oh. with little footies. Sometimes those footies are soaked in kaolin clay. Sure. And then it, it acts as both of an irritant and a barrier so okay. that the codling moth don't get in there. Yeah. It's a little bit on the labor-intensive side. <laughs> sure. Uh, but, and that's why I'd really highly recommend that people go with dwarf or semi-dwarf apple trees mm -hmm. so that they're smaller and easier to deal with. Mm -hmm. And also people won't have to get up on ladders and risk injuring themselves. <laughs> oh, yeah. um, then there are some things that are really hard to grow here fruit tree wise Phil what are some of the more challenging fruit trees that um, that you know of challenging fruit trees that's hard for me to answer because I you know you're thousands of yeah okay. so I, I would so let's go I with kinda, cherries I kind of talk to the trees and they yeah. tell me what to do and but I think people do struggle, yeah, honestly, with, with apples. That last category, one of the mm. things that everybody wants. So, yeah. I would also include cherries, peaches, nectarines. So peaches mm -hmm. and nectarines definitely fit the bill for that, that question. And, yeah. and they're difficult here because of the cool, wet, and dark, like this year, uh, yeah. season, the, the spring season that we get. Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. 
But they, foliar diseases affect them. All the stone fruits were had a hard time this year. We're going to have bacterial uh, canker. Yeah. And, um, because of the cold. And I wanted to um, plug uh, biologicals for the for that uh, reason. Go for it. So uh, bactil- Bacillus subtilis is mm-hmm. a bacteria that's a, one of our friends out there, and it's actually going to take the place of any kind of bad bacteria, some bad fungi, funguses that want to get in and damage the plant. So, so we reason- like to inoculate the good guys to keep out the bad ones. And how do we get that and how do we use it? Um, you Actually, there's several forms. You sure. can put it into the, the pot where the, or the ground where the roots are. Uh-huh. It actually goes into the plant. Uh-huh. Um, and, and it's not just that one bacteria. Sure. Is there's it a like whole, a powder it's a, it's or a liquid? Colony. Oh, there's, a whole, there's colonies, right. There's okay. uh, So they go into the plant and they protect the plant from the Got inside it. systemically. Uh-huh. Um, also, on the you spray on the leaf. Uh, this back, This is totally organic. Uh-huh. You know, this is just a, a beneficial. Sure. And you've seen some good effects with it. Oh, absolutely. Yes, huge. Yes. That's good to hear. And uh, just one last plant here. So blueberries, my blueberries are about to ripen like next week. Uh, My kids are already stripping the (laughs) semi-blueberries off the bushes. Um, What's the trick for successful growing blueberries? Yeah, it's it's definitely fertilizer. Mm. It's definitely the right type of acid mix. Yeah, and, it, it, and up front, right. um, preparing the soil by reducing the pH a little bit with mm-hmm. sulfur yeah. and then using a rhododendron food. Yeah, we sell an organic one um, that's an acid mix. Yeah. Uh, you know, cottonseed meal is really effective for getting nice, uh, nice big, juicy blueberries. Cottonseed yeah. meal, uh, feather meal is also yes. good. And I think that's a great point. I see people not applying fertilizer yeah. enough to blueberries. Right. Yeah. Two to three at, times a year, actually. Yeah, Every a couple times a year. And you want to be seeing a good like foot or more of extension growth each year. Absolutely. Most blueberries I see in people yard people's yards are not looking that. Yeah, and then sanitation too, because we have that mummy berry. Uh, So you want to clean up the the rows at the end of the year, mulch uh them again, make sure it's all clean. What about blackberries? They're everywhere. How do I grow decent blackberries without well, like killing my entire, you know, Okay, so the, the blackberry that's everywhere is yeah. the Himalayan or the Armenian blackberry, uh-huh. and it is everywhere, and those are edible, and they're yeah. pretty good. Uh-huh. They're a little bit on the tart side, but uh-huh. the challenge with them is that the birds spread the seeds, sure. and then they, they're, they're um, yeah. taking over our wild areas. Yeah. If you want to grow blackberries, then you'd want to prepare 